going to ask us to stand as we're going to read in our word. We're actually going to be going through two separate texts, but have connection with one another, and you see it there in your Bible. message today is on humility, mercy, and faithfulness. And we are looking at, as I said last week, the parents of Jesus, that whom God has chosen, not because they were like this, but their, 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 their response to God after he chose and called them to bear the Savior, as he chose them to rear and to bring up Jesus. We want to take a look at whom God chose and uh, the kind of people they were in response to God's calling and choosing them. And I think that has, that has great lesson for us that after God calls and chooses, we understand uh, we are not worthy to be called or chosen, but after he calls and chooses how we are to be. And so um, with first one is in Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 34 to 38, and then following that, we'll read Matthew 1, 19 through 25, and the focus is on both Mary and then on Joseph. So let's read together um, the first section in Luke. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived the son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed from her. Next section. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, again, may your word um, reign strong in our lives and in this preaching, but by your spirit, may you quicken it, may you make it alive in our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. So you read these stories, very, very familiar. People will read it many times as part of the holiday tradition, um, but it is to be seen as more than a tradition. It is to be seen as more than something that helps us to be festive. 
um, it is to be seen not only as the word of God, but as the direction and the leading of God. And so as we read this story, we look into the lives of these two, what I would call, unworthy individuals. I wrote it down like this. God chose two unworthy and undeserving individuals to be the parents of the Savior. Their response to God's choice is noteworthy, though. We must look at them carefully as God is speaking to us through them. And when we look at whom God chose and their response to his choosing, it is for us to see with example and is for us to see with direction into our own lives and who and what we should be. And so we're going to look at first Mary's humility to God's sovereign choice, and then we're going to look at Mary's submission to the word and the will of God. And then after that, we're going to look at Joseph's mercy on Mary and what that says about him and what that said about him. And then also we will look at Joseph's immediate obedience to the word and the will of God. And both those things have a lot of value for us as we look in. One of the things in the beginning of this that I say is that many times... When God chooses to do something, it may cause you and I to be inconvenienced or to be put in a position that makes life difficult. Now, understand, that's, that's Bible. Many times when God will choose to use us, it will put us in a position where it makes us uncomfortable, and it is difficult, and it may be inconvenient. God doesn't come on your time, your schedule, but he wants to use you. And when we look in this scenario, what we see is God working on his time. Understand with this context, with the Virgin Mary, Mary was betrothed, the, be, the, 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 betroth, the betrothal, the betrothed, that word. <laughs> when that process comes about, I didn't practice how to say that word out. You, you know, practice everything else, not that word. Um, when you are betrothed to someone, it was a long process, usually lasting about a year. And you had to understood part of that process was this. Whenever a man was going to be married to a woman or the family was going to give their daughter to this man, that the process would be the family of the daughter was losing someone that would help, especially in agrarian, agricultural environments. They were losing help, work. They were losing money when they were losing that daughter. Um, there was no such thing as, uh, this girl don't do anything for us. No, that didn't exist. Is that she was a daughter who provided and helped with the family. I mean, I understood that. Both my parents were at the older end of their sibling group. My mom was the oldest girl in the family, and her parents were farmers. And so down in rural North Carolina, she talks about how, she's talking about how hard they worked before school. You know those stories. How hard they worked before school and after school. Um, but her being the oldest, she had a lot of responsibility. And so whenever she left to get married, also left was that experience, was that, was that involvement in the house, but there was no one. My dad did not have to pay her family to get married to her. And, 
and, but in that particular cultural context in that time, when you did, there was a dowry, there was a payment that was made. And once the, once the, hus, once the husband-to-be fulfilled all the requirements and the dowry was made, she was his. But it was a process in that although she was his, they wouldn't come together as husband and wife intimately until about a year later. That's why when you look in Matthew and it talks about Joseph, it refers to Joseph as her husband uh, because it had gone far enough in the process that Mary was now considered his wife, although she wasn't under his household. And so you have to understand that that was the process. How can Mary be her husband and be a virgin? Well, because in that culture, that's what the process did. And so we see here that Mary was like any other young lady at her time and was practicing what their culture did. She was living out her life, and she probably thought just like any other woman in that time, this is how life is going to play out. And then she had that interruption of her day. I said that this morning to our group as we were praying that many times when, when things change, many times when, when things abruptly change, whether good or bad, most times people don't know that this day will be any different than any other day. We think about those people who have faced tragedy. Um, I, I still do, and I remember, and I went back to see some when 9-11 happened. I, I remember. I knew some people that were affected, you know, firsthand. Um, I, I, I knew some people that were affected I mean, because of what they saw. One of the young men who was in youth ministry when I was youth, uh, youth pastor was talking to him afterwards, and he said how he had come about the subway, and then he, when he came across, he worked in the area, he saw all that was going on and got back and got out of Manhattan because he saw all that was happening. We had some other people that I knew that had one of the engines from the plane fall right next to where their home, where their where their, their, their row house, their brownstone was, their apartment in, in, in Manhattan, and it sat there for a while. And so, but if you spoke to all of them, that day began just like any other day. No one had any clue anything different would happen, and neither did Mary, until that angel appeared to her, and as we said last week, said to her, Mary, you have found, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. God has come and has interrupted your world. He is calling on you. No, God doesn't need you. God is choosing to use you. Now, understand that. He said God needed Mary. No, God wanted to use Mary. He, he could have used any other Mary at that time, and he could have used any other virgin to be betrothed at that anyone. But he did, but what he didn't do is he didn't sanitize the situation. What do I mean? Remember, Joseph didn't know when Mary was first told that she had conceived, that she was pregnant. Okay, I would have preferred, as I said last week, that God said, I'm going to tell Joseph just to do an end around so you ain't got to worry. I'm going to let him know this baby's mine. He didn't do that. 
He didn't make it so that society didn't look at her with a frown. Remember, she left to go live with Elizabeth. We understand some of that because there was a day and time where if young ladies got pregnant, sometimes they went to live with another loved one until they had the baby. This is not something strange. We've seen that happen before. And Mary went, and for a while, for three months, she went to live with Elizabeth, her family member, who would understand because her miracle had happened. She wasn't going to look at her cross-eyed because everyone was looking at her cross-eyed that she was way past childbearing years and had a son. And so God allows Mary to go with someone who has some sympathy, empathy, and understanding of God interrupting your world and sometimes making it difficult initially for you. Don't get upset because, because God is using you that he's made your world uncomfortable because the discomfort is nothing compared with what he is doing in and through you as he's using you or what will change about you after. He may make life downright uncomfortable. I tell folk today, when we left here and we went to Switzerland, my, my role as stay-at-home dad was probably the toughest job I had done up until that time in my life. And I had managed people. I worked in banking and managing. I worked here and, 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 and managed this property and oversaw the, 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 the renovation here. And as difficult as that was, being a stay-at-home dad in a foreign country was harder because there were so many things that you had to make sure you were up on and, and, and that you stayed abreast of and that you still had to understand the culture and you couldn't look like you were falling apart because you were the one that people were looking to. But what I realized what it was doing was forming and shaping me. And then when we got into our church environment, which was this international church of which we were the only African-American or U.S. of African descent family in the entire place of about 500. There were other kids that belonged to families that had adopted him, and there were some African families that would come and go, but we were it as far as the longest main standing families. And it was great, and it was good, but it was also forming because it was difficult. God places you in environments at times that is not what you would desire, but is what he does because he is shaping and forming in the process, and we don't know what he's doing. If you want a really hard and ultimate example, you can look at Joseph. God had some work to do in his life, but God was going to use that young man. But there was a process, some believe a 37-year process that it took for Joseph from the time that his brother sold him into slavery instead of killing him. How's that for family love? That sold him into slavery until he was brought as second in command in Egypt. We read the story. Joseph didn't know that was going to happen. We sit back in the comfort of our devotional spaces and we read, but we read sometimes absent of what was happening real time. And for some of you today, God may be desirous of using you, but the process he is allowing to happen in your life must happen. I don't know why I'm not God. I'm not even going to venture to know why. But the fact is, God is at work. 
And he wants us to understand that. God is at work. And so it was here with Mary. So he comes on the screen and he says to Mary, I mean, as we're looking at verses 28 and 29, as we go back some, he says, you are favored. The Lord is with you. But understand, Mary did nothing um, nor possessed anything to merit God choosing her. We must understand that there are some that like to deify Mary, not God's choice of her was his prerogative alone. It wasn't, oh, Mary was so sweet. God knew she would be humble. No, God chose a sinner. And for you and I today, there isn't anything that we can do to merit God looking our way and calling us. And yet he did. And when he did, your response to his call is what's critical. Not getting hung up just on the fact that he called, that what was it that, that and, and some folks, I can't accept this because I don't know why God would call me. I don't know why he would call you either. As a matter of fact, I don't know why he would call me. But the issue was he did, and so now what am I going to do? And so we see here that Mary was troubled, partly because the guy who just appeared, Gabriel, but partly because an angel that was talking to a woman but also because of what he was saying. How am I? I am so out of the way. How am I remotely worthy of what I'm hearing? And she's not. But she hears. And then we see here this way that Mary responded is to be characteristic of all of us. God calls and we don't go, well, God, why on earth would you ever call me? Or we get hung up, God called me. Must be something about me that God likes. Must be something about who I am that made the Lord call me. Yeah, it was something about who you were. You were a sinner and needed saving. I've said this before, too, that when those who are famous and popular come to the Lord, we go, oh, he'd be such a great asset to the kingdom. No. They were lost like every last one of us. God didn't need any one of them. It doesn't make him I mean, any stronger, any better. We're the ones that needed Jesus. Please understand that. And as gifted and as talented as you and I can be, and maybe we are, it does not mean that's why God called you. Because if that was the case, God needs you to supply something he doesn't have, and that's not it at all. God can accomplish his will without you or I, but he has chosen you and me to be able to do it, and we have to understand that. We bring nothing to the table with God. We have no bargaining power. God, if you would do this, I'll serve you. God says, I need you to serve me. You need to serve me. God, if you, if, you, if you do this in my life, I'll change. God says, if you don't change, you'll be lost in your sins. I don't need you to do this. So we need to understand. I've said, oh, God, if you would just do this. And, and I can just picture the Lord going, this boy don't understand. But he, out of love, chooses. And if we choose to follow him we aren't doing him a favor. He has blessed us to even call. And so Mary gets called. But it is Mary's humble response 
And then next, her submission in our next point. But Mary's humble response, as it says, she didn't think she deserved it. And then the angel would, 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 would even talk to her. But in her response, her fear was removed as she understood and experienced the grace of God. The angel says to her, and that's not just a greeting, fear not, as if some great British greeting. I can just hear the British accent, fear not. No, he was telling her, don't be afraid. Why? She was afraid. You let an angel, I'm sorry, you let Gabriel come in in full angelic form into your house. Doesn't even come through the front door, just shows up standing next to you. And I want to see your first response. Unannounced. I know we've seen it in the movies, how they make them look. No, 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 no. We have no idea what an angel of Gabriel's caliber, understand, understand, Gabriel and Michael were those two archangels higher up on the pole. And one was for proclamation and announcing, Gabriel, and one was for battling, Michael. And you have one of them show up. I honor Mary because I'm speechless. You're going to have to pick me up. And then as grace settles in, she asks, how can this be? And some of you would say, okay, so what's the difference? Remember, Zechariah was like, how is this going to happen? And Mary says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Well, it lies in their questioning and their asking. And the angel knew where they were. One of them, the angel said, I'm going to close your mouth because of your unbelief. In the other account for Mary, they answered her and answered her clearly. She said, how is this going to happen, seeing that I'm a virgin? Okay, you're going to say that I'm pregnant, but it's only one way I know to get pregnant. She said, I, I, I don't get that. And then Gabriel explains, and explains that what is growing in you is holy. Boy, here is the, here is the picture for all of us. Holiness growing in unholiness. Think about that. Mary's a sinner needing something. She would need the Savior she would bring into the world. Her sins were being died for as well. When Jesus was on that cross, he was dying for her sins as well. And so you had this holy being growing inside of an unholy being. Oh, that's what we are today. Let's not trip over Mary. When you and I come to Jesus, yes, he makes us clean, but we're sinners. And he comes into the unholy place and makes it holy. But we're still frail because we mess up and we are bearing the spirit of God still. Holiness inside of unholiness sometimes. And I see with Jesus, wow, he says here. So, so Mary's response turns from fear because of the grace of God. And God says, you don't have to be afraid because I'm doing something in you. But then the second point, before I make that though, our response to the grace or favor of God, I put in here in bold so I can read that. Our response to the favor and the grace of God should be like Mary's. Our response in that, in that she goes, whoa, okay, 
Fear is overcome by grace. How could God use me? How could I, how will I be able to function here? And God says, by my grace, by my mercy, so that you don't take all the credit. Oh, you get the credit of growing in God. You get the credit of allowing God to use you, but it is a demonstration of his favor on you. Mary's next one is Mary's submission to the word of God. She asks for clarification, but then when she responds, look at that. Then when she responds in Luke, let me turn back their head in here. When she responds in Luke, verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Now, understood, understand, I don't know if she thought through the fact that Joseph has no idea about this, that this is not going to look that good, that what's going to happen when folk find out, am I going to keep explaining that the Holy Spirit did this? They don't even understand that concept. She didn't understand it. Everyone will say, wait, 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 say that again. So you're saying this is God's baby. You're saying that, 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 that you've not been with the man. Right. But she responds and says, and this is the humble submission to the grace of God and God calling her. She says, I am the servant of the Lord. I'm the servant of the Lord. And then she goes in even deeper. Mary goes in. Look at what she says. Let it be to me according to your word. And her humble response to the will and the word of God, she is saying, whatever you are commanding, let it be in my life, regardless of what happens. How many of us are willing to say, Lord, let it be according to what you say in me? Because most times when we say that, we only think of all the good stuff that God's going to do for us. Lord, may it be according to your word. Until that word seemingly puts you in an unpopular position. It puts you in a predicament where you don't look so good initially. Or it may cost you more. Or you may lose something. Are you still going to be saying, let it be to me according to your word, Lord? Or you'd be like, what in the word is happening? See, the issue becomes Mary goes, I'm your servant. Which means I am at your will and choosing. Servants don't tell masters what to do. Servants don't tell the people they work for and under or they live under. They don't. They follow and listen. And so in here, she says, I'm your servant. Let it be according to your word. And then if you read down verses 46 to 55 is what is called the Magnificat, but it is Mary's response in praise as she goes to be with Elizabeth, and of course, John jumps in the womb when Mary walks in the room because she has already have in her, she's already been conceived by the Spirit, the Savior, the, the, very, the whole reason John is here is in the womb next to him. His whole existence is to proclaim Christ. 
And although we do many things for God, although we do many things um, even in our careers and our lives, if you are a follower of Christ, your main existence is to glorify and introduce people to Jesus in your words and in your lifestyle. And you get to enjoy all the other things that come along with it. That's just life. Some people say, I was... I was, I was born to play basketball. You might have been born with some skills that would really help you to play now, but you were born for God. I was born to do whatever. No, 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 no. You were born to worship God. You were created to be someone that would bring praise and honor to the one whom created you. And you get to do other things that demonstrate that along the way. Whether it's athlete, musician, doctor, lawyer, teacher, um, engineer, whatever, you, you name it, street cleaner, working in the hospital, working in the kitchen, fast food worker, you, your existence is to worship God. And so we see here the response. Mary was one of submission. Mary's response of submission, praise, thankfulness, and proclamation is a model for what our response should be to God wanting to work and working in our lives. That should be our response. When God calls, we're not, why you call now, God? I'm like really busy. Oh, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not giving up that job. No, 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 no. You don't understand, God, how hard I worked. You understand what I got to get to here, and I'm not, anything, nothing is going to make me lose that. Not even as clear that God is saying, I want you over here instead. Or while you're here, here's what I want you to do. God, that's going to make me unpopular. I ain't trying to do that. Come on, like, you, you, you see how hard I worked to get here? But I want you to make that stand for me here. I want you to let people know that you follow me. I want you to stand up and to, and to live your faith on the outside, not being afraid that if folk find out, they're going to ostracize me. God says, let it happen and watch me work. Sometimes he will inconvenience you. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes, because God doesn't work on your time, sometimes he will inconvenience you. But, most, but, but all the time, he will demonstrate his greatness through you. And you will get the benefit on the other side as well. And so that's Mary. And then we get Joseph. So turn with me to Matthew. Turn with me to Matthew. Then we get Joseph. And I love this in verse 19. It says, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. That verse is so loaded. Because it shows the character of this man that would rear, that would bring up Jesus. This is the house he was going to live in. And we don't know how long Joseph lived. We know he lived long enough that Mary had other children. But we don't know how long because we don't hear, we hear nothing else about Joseph until he's referred to, isn't he the son of the carpenter? Isn't he the son of Joseph? And other than this time, that's the only time you hear about him. You don't hear anything else about him. But what you see, 
And what you can guarantee you got from this brother was a faithfulness and was this obedience. And these are the people that don't need to be recognized to live hard for the Lord. But their legacy goes on. And so we see here in him that in the beginning, we see here that it says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man. What that meant is he was a law abiding. He, he lived by the Jewish law, which was given by God anyway. Being a law abiding, being a just man. And so he was, he was one who knew what the right thing was to do. But he was unwilling to disgrace. He had some mercy about him. So here was a guy that had justice and mercy that he was known to dispense. Hmm. I love that because God says that's exactly how I am and that's exactly how my son will be. Jesus didn't get it from Joseph. Joseph got it from God, and God is demonstrating it in his own home as Jesus would do that. He knew what was right, and so he wasn't going to brush this off. He was just going to push this under the rug and say, no one will know. I can send Mary away, and we'll work this out. When it happened, he was like, and, and again, he had no clue who this was by, but he knew that she was pregnant. And so he goes, and by law, he had the right to. When you look at Deuteronomy, actually, he had the right to. Do this later. You can go into Deuteronomy chapter 23, and it gives you all the laws of exclusion. And if, 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 if there were a person that was betrothed to be married, and he went and he was intimate with someone else that he wasn't betrothed with, and they lived in the city, both of them would die. He was like, but if they lived in the country... The one who perpetrated the male is the only one who would die. And you go, well, what's the difference between the country and the city? Well, the country and the city was, it says there in Deuteronomy, she could have called for help because there are others around as, a, as opposed to being in Podunk out in the middle of nowhere city and no one would cry. I mean, no one would hear your cry. And so there was this get you off. But then if in Mary's case, if... It was betrothed, and they lived out in the country where they lived, and if this happened, it would just have to be a payment. The one who did this, whom they didn't know who this was, would have to pay the family, and that person would take Mary as his wife. But they didn't know who the daddy was, so they couldn't approach him. But what was happening in the meantime is that Joseph said, I know what I have a right to do. I know what is the right thing to do, but I'm going to do it with some mercy. See what it says about Joseph's character. See, we have people that are just waiting for you to mess up. They have no greater pleasure than, 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 than dispensing justice hard. When you sin, because it, well, it's, right, hey, it's, it's the right thing to do, you know, get them, God, and no mercy at all. And you see in Joseph, oh, he was going to do what was right. Mary was in the wrong position in his eyes. But what did he have to do? He said, I'm going to do it privately. I'm not going to put her to public shame. He considered this. And Why? Why would he consider this? We don't know, but here's what we do know, is that his heart of mercy was going to be carried over in that family. And it is a response to us, is when we see a wrong happen, yes, you respond with it with justice. Yes, you do. 
but you better have in that other hand some mercy coming right along with it. Why? Because that's what God is. Do you think he just responded to you and I with justice? If he did, let's just say there would be no service on Sundays. We'd be all done if all he responded with was justice. Because I want to know which one of you has not offended God at all since you were born. Sorry, it's not me. And I'm not even talking about before Christ. I'm not after Christ. That I've offended God. And the issue was, with that justice comes mercy. And you see that in Joseph. And so it's that as he considers, he was thinking about how he was going to do this. What happens? God says, okay, let me let him in on it. Let me let him in on what I'm doing. And so the angel appears, same angel that spoke to Mary, not speak to, same, appears and says, Joseph, and here he says again, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Why? Because Joseph probably considered it, but was afraid that because it was the wrong thing to do, what would happen? I'm thinking of the heart of this guy. He was torn. You can see it. When the angel responds to him, he's not just giving frivolous um, words. He says, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because back in that time, you should be afraid if the child in her womb was not yours because of the shame and everything else that would happen. And then he explains and says, God is at work in Mary. Now, there it is again. God can inconvenience you because for some of us, we get mad. Well, why'd you have to choose her? All these other Marys around here, you had to choose my Mary? The issue becomes... God's using of someone else in your life may inconvenience you. Because it says here that he took her as his wife, finished the process, but was not intimate with her until the child was born. I'm just saying, for some of you brothers in here, you'd be like, God, really, Lord? Joseph had the discipline and had the love for God that God, I'm, I'm... I'm not going to mess your thing up. I'm going to walk along with your plan here. I know you're using Mary. And so I'm going to go along with it because I'm included. And I'm not getting upset at what God's doing. Don't get upset at what God is doing in someone else's life that you're connected with or attached to because it inconveniences, because it puts you in a bad light. Because, you know, how many people are saying, because now, now, they're looking at Joseph. Oh, yeah, that's that dude that that took Mary as his wife after she was pregnant by someone else. Come on, you know how news travels in small towns? But then he took the child as his own. Didn't worry. But here's what I like about Joseph, too. Second thing with Joseph, Joseph had uh, immediate obedience. Have to understand that Joseph had immediate. We see here in Matthew, when he hears what is going to happen, Here's what happened. Verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. First thing. But knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What did the angel tell him would happen? That you'll have a son and you'll call his name Jesus. What did he do? Okay. He got up. 
He says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, and you'll have a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. What does he do? He takes Mary as his wife, and he calls the son named Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you look later on, when now God was going to protect the child, whenever Herod had sent for children two years old and under to be killed, the angel appeared to him again and said, get up and take your family into Egypt. He didn't go, Egypt? Why are we going to Egypt? He got up took his family to Egypt. Then when it was time to come back, what did the angel do? You can come back now, bring your family back. What did he do? Nah, it's good here. We like it here in Egypt. No, he got up and brought his family back. Don't let that pass you by. In Joseph, you had a man who responded immediately to the command and the word and the will of God. Oh, you said that, Lord? Yes. Oh, you said that, Lord? Yes. Oh, you want me to do that? Yes. You don't hear anything else about Joseph after that. But what you hear about him, consistently saying yes to God. Not giving God attitude. And why you call me? Why am I got to do this? Nah, I'm good, God. Sorry. Go find someone else. And we may not say that with our words, but we do with our actions. And you get in Joseph an immediate obedient I just made that up, I know. <laughs> so, what do we do with that? If these are to be the parents of the Savior, how are we to respond as well to the Savior and to the call of God? We ought to respond with humble submission and servanthood, and we ought to respond with Justice and mercy and immediate obedience. That's what God wants of us in response to him calling out for us to come to him. And when we do that, we allow Christ to be seen in and through us to this world. And that's what we need to do. What is God calling you to submit to? that you are struggling with because it is inconvenient. Boy, this, you just chose the wrong time, God. What is God calling you to say, I'm your servant, Lord, toward? What is God calling you, or where and in what environment is God calling you to bring justice and mercy along with it? And where is God calling for immediate obedience in your life? Oh, you're not bearing the Savior as being born into this world, but you are carrying in you Christ through the Spirit of God, and you are a representative of him to the world. You are bringing the Savior to the masses. What are you doing with the Christ you bear? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. God, that we, God, we are blessed by you. Father, that you would choose, first of all, that you would come among men, Emmanuel, God with us. God